This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis, uh, along with Leonard Davis and Warren Harper. Uh, you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the twice-a-week podcast about people, politics, and professions. It's Saturday, uh, November the 13th, 2.01 p.m. And welcome, guys, to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you for having Hello. us. Hello. You are part, you are the co-host. <laughs> you're a co-host. You're here every week. So our, we were, we were uh, scheduled to have a guest, uh, Larry Ivory. And Larry uh, does a show each Saturday uh, and he's traveling. And so um, we have not heard from him yet. Uh, and he may show up during the, the, uh, the podcast. So we'll, if he does, then we'll get him on. And we, uh, until then, we're going to talk of black businesses in, um, I don't know, in our communities or whatever. So, and I, and I think it's good. I think it's good to have a discussion about black business. Um, so, so Leonard, you were saying that there was something that you uh, ran across that you wanted to, to, to start with, I guess. Sure. Uh, I was talking to our sister mm -hmm. and she was just talking about she was talking about these, what they call these, uh, kind of like flash mobs. I forgot the term for one. These business uh, uh, flash pop-ups, business pop-ups. That's what they call. Yeah. And she's going to be at one next week uh, on the South St. Louis where this promoter, and she's going to have like 25 uh uh, African-American women who sell different things, who got different businesses, and they pay for a table, kind of like a, a, a regular marketplace. And then they can sell their wares, whether they sell fragrances, whether they sell lotions, soaps, skin care, hair care. Our sister be there marketing uh, her cake. So are you advertising a business? Are you actually uh, advertising well, a business? No, I'm not. I'm not advertising anything. I'm just saying that we're talking about, you know, we're talking about African-American business. So there's there's this uh, thing that's going on about, you know, pop-ups. And they get so many people together. They get them in a place. The promoter will advertise. And then you can go there and, and, and pay for your wares. And that's becoming very popular in African-American culture with African-American businesses, especially startups. And they're trying to get the word out about their business. Well, I mean, every, every, uh, business, to... every business is trying to get the word out about their business. That's a part of the responsibility of a business. People, if people don't know you're doing mm -hmm. what you're doing, they can't buy your product. So, so everything is yeah. an opportunity. Um, and so the idea here is, is that, um, we have a, uh, things that are going on now is a push towards minority businesses. Right. And so some of the things that, that I understand how we got where we are mm -hmm. and the idea that you have to specifically identify the nationality of the uh, individual business or the, the, the particular group that this business is from in order for that business to operate uh, seems to me be problematic. Would you agree? Problematic that they're doing this particular that you, ha that you have to say this is an Asian business. This is a black owned business. This is a woman owned business. The fact that we have to do that. 
I think it is problematic, but that comes with the history of our nation, uh, where some people were allowed to go and other people aren't. And then we put stumbling blocks in the way of some people. Right. And, and so, so and so I agree. I think I think the fact that that where we are having to do that has been based on the history of how businesses have been treated, you know, how businesses are have been provided resources. Um and so one of the things that I'm I look at is or I'm thinking about is as we move forward and the, and the idea is to try to eliminate the need to identify race as right. being associated with a business, being associated with an individual, being associated with an individual's particular rights is we are a long way away from not having to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when we do that to try to, you know, level the playing field, we further entrench the separation of businesses and people in our society. Yeah, that's true. I guess you could call that an unintended consequence or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you combat that? How do you uh, promote advancement of minority-owned businesses without emphasizing the fact uh, that how do you direct business towards these um, companies without making it a bad thing? Right, and, and and that's one of the things that has that I have been racking my brain about. That is. Um, so we are a business. We are a small business. Our, my goal here is for us to um, be able to provide a platform for people to advertise their business. Um, sure. I think we have some good ideas that we'd like to share with folks. And um, people need a place to advertise their business that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. And so I think it's a good fit. But the idea then becomes, if I'm if I say that I'm a black-owned business, that creates in other people's minds um, a particular ideology. Like, well, if that business becomes successful, then some white business is not going to come successful, or you know, things of that nature. And so mm -hmm. then it becomes, how do we build synergy? How do we become all one America as long as we have to have to identify, you know, the race of the person running the business or that who's who benefits mostly from, you know, that business? Then, then how do how do we how do we get better? Because it's necessary because black owned businesses and Asian owned businesses and, um, you know, Mexican owned businesses, Latinx businesses have been discriminated against. They have been blocked from certain resources to make to grow their business, from certain aven um, advertising avenues for their businesses. And so there needs to be right. something done to kind of right that wrong. Well, first and foremost, uh, the businesses have to build and develop a business and create get a solid reputation to where people don't mind recommending them uh people in the community recognize them so that when that name is mentioned people think positive things oh so and so used them i've heard of them before once we do that then we can kind of shy away from the emphasis on the ethnicity but until that point you have to have some sort of way to encourage and i say this speaking of primarily our own culture black people because if we don't promote black businesses how can we expect other people to promote them so i think it has to start from within 
not entirely within, but we, we need to learn how to work with each other, trust one another and build up within our own community and then expand outward at the same time. But it all be, it all, it's all linked to doing uh, quality work, developing a good reputation, selling your product and service. I believe, you know, I believe that's a good start. The other part of it is, it's a shame that we have to do it. And we can't just say, okay, if we don't do it, it's going to get, things are going to get done because they say, well, every time you say black business, every time you say African-American, you are fostering separation. The separation was already there. And it's going to continue to be there because they're because somebody's going to continue to push it because somebody's going to profit when it's done. Like, you know, Leon had mentioned when they say for every successful black business, a white person owned enterprise gets pushed aside. Not necessarily. I mean, in America, we got a whole big thing that's enough for everybody, everybody to go. For everybody to run and everybody to make it but you know why is it that a certain segment of society like you know he mentioned aiden asian latinx gotta be gotta be pushed out and they shouldn't just have to only be employees because of the because of the things that is pushing them down if they want to get out and make and, and give it a try and make their fortune and get their part of the American dream by being an entrepreneur, they should have that chance. And what you know, and, and what I was learning from talking to a couple of people is that this pop up, the way to start these pop up little marketing things, is a way to start, a way to build your brand, where one day you get you an actual storefront, a store space. People go, oh yeah, I remember, I I had their product at this pop up. And it was a good product. Let me go check. And they bring two or three others, you know, and, and, and it starts that way. I mean, that's just a, that's just the way that you start. So, Warren, you um, uh, hit on something that I, I eventually wanted to get to. And I th thought it was really important. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, OK. For a long time. Black people did not support black businesses they would actually go outside the community. There would be a black business in that area. They would go outside uh -huh. that, the, the black community to get their goods and services and then bring them back into the community. And so there's a perception that black businesses were not quality businesses. And how do you first change that perception because if like you say if we don't support our businesses who's going to because absolutely because we're being forced into only being able to provide a small number of goods and services in a small area uh -huh. and then we're fighting um perceptions outside our community and inside our community Yeah, I think it's absolutely fundamental for a black business to survive by having uh, support from their own community. I think it would be very hard for them to survive if they didn't have the support within their community. So how do we do that? We, we have to learn how to trust one another. We have to build relationships to where we want to support that black business and see them succeed. If you look at say the Asian businesses, how many, how well would they be doing without their Asian customers? They wouldn't be the same. Yeah, but they're, uh, I don't, and, and, and there's an, there's another great point that you bring up. Um, Asian businesses and, um, other ex uh, people of, of outside of the black community 
were given loans Mm -hmm. to build businesses in black communities. And then, and then that's how they started building their communities. And then they moved out of the black communities. Some of them did, some of them didn't, they stayed. Um, but, but that gave them a head start on building their economic base um, at the expense of the black community. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no doubt at all that that discrimination exists within the business community, especially against the poor minority business owners or wannabe business owners. I think this needs to be examined from a baseline ethical and reality point of view, Mm -hmm. because what I see in talking to a lot of black people, mostly on the younger side, but just in general, when it comes to economics, finance, and credit, things like that, I see very, very bad situations as far as financial literacy, literacy, how to build and establish credit. I don't know what they know as far as business practices, because I'm not a business person, but I have learned a lot of things about credit from the good and the bad experiences. I, you know, I'm, I'm close to 800 now, but I've been BK a couple of times. So I know a little bit about credit and what I see going on with our younger generations is that they're in, they're in that unbanked, uh, I can't think of the other word. They're at, they're at the bottom when it comes to practices and literacy as far as financing. And if we don't get it together in that area of like people, we're not going to exceed in business. So you're not going to get a loan if your credit is jacked up. You know, we, you, you can't just pull a race card every time you because you're black. You got to look at the big picture. And so now I'm not denying discrimination, but I'm just saying from what I see, there's a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're on fire today. I don't know. I don't know what kind of pill you took. <laughs> you should take it every show. You are just on fire today. Um, so maybe maybe we'll just invite guests and not let them show up every week. This is something I've been looking at for the last couple of years, and I, I just kind of been focusing on it internally with my children, mm-hmm. grandchildren, mm-hmm. and I see some major issues. So, I'm, And I'm, if you're a representative of the community at large, which they basically are, we got some problems. So I'm going to I'm going to address your. Um, um, oh, shoot. I lost my mind. Lost my thought, train of thought. So one of the things that you talked about is credit rating and credit worthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so blacks were given loans that put them at higher risk of failing, which means that their credit worthiness was going to suffer. So you go to buy a house, you get a higher rate uh, for your mortgage. You go to get a car, you get a higher rate for your financing. You go to start a business, you get a higher rate for your business. So that puts you in a higher risk category, more likely that you're gonna fail. So, when it comes and then and then like you said a financial literacy you know for a long time financial literacy wasn't taught in black communities it wasn't it wasn't pushed in black communities it wasn't an Mm -hmm. issue in black communities and then when we Mm -hmm. realize there is no night to come help us that we have to do things ourselves then we started you know learning those things that are necessary to, 
pull us up by our bootstraps. And then yes. as we try to pull us up ourselves up by our bootstraps, then they start trying to take away our straps, the bootstraps. But, but you're right. There are things that we need to do and we need to learn and that we need to find ways to help us um, be better at business and managing money and managing resources um, and trusting yes. each other in our community that we have our own best interest at heart. Sure, sure. And one of the things that I'm that touches on what you were saying, talking about the situations where blacks may be set up to fail or past mistakes are being used against them. Now we have all sorts of financial financial institutions created to take advantage of not just minorities, but uneducated financial literate people. Mm -hmm. We got these car lots, buy here, pay here. Mm -hmm. You got people renting cars that think they're actually buying the car when they're not. Mm -hmm. You've got institutions that will take your paycheck and make you think because you get your money a couple of days early, you're getting a deal when they're charging you up the yin yang with fees mm -hmm. and people aren't seeing the light. Predatory lending. The big picture, mm -hmm. you know, you need to establish yourselves with major institutions that can get you where you need to go. These buy here, pay here lots to take any kind of credit won't help you build credit, but they will stick it up your behind, <laughs> <laughs> charging you everything they can. Mm -hmm. I mean, these car lots are full of these cars, and and it's certain type of cars you can just look at these lots and know where these cars came from. You know who was driving these cars, and it, you get caught up in a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It takes time to establish good credit, but it's not that hard. But you have to be thinking, and then you have to listen to people when they try to tell you, because when you talk to people, it's like. They got this deer in the headlights thing going us like they 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 can't grasp it you know and it's really simple but nobody's explained it to them and it's just hard for them to see that mm -hmm. until they get stuck and then they're like oh well you know he tried to tell me that 10 years ago <laughs> and that's interesting well I, go ahead Leonard. now you may say along the lines of what warren was saying what gets a lot of people we want immediate satisfaction of everything right now. Exactly. We're not willing to save money and put away money for four or five years. So we could go to a, a nice car lot and put three or 4,000 down and get a nice car. We got to go to what you was describing one, what our father used to call the shyster lot. Exactly. And, you know, so you, so you say that Cause I remember seeing people with nicer cars going into some jacked up houses. Me, I want to, I'd rather have a car that can get, just get me around the city and have a nice house instead of a nice car and a jacked up house. But that's just, that's just my thing. And you know, and I've gone through personally and experienced what you, what you talked about. Mm -hmm. So it starts with financial literacy and learning how to do it and when someone's trying to teach us actually listen take notes and put it into practice rather than trying to fight them because only thing we're thinking about is we want that immediate little money so we can get this immediate gratification mm -hmm. that'll be gone in five minutes and we still got five years of stuff left to take care of yeah and and one of the things that i think you guys have been dancing been dancing around uh, but didn't say directly is, um, so like Leonard buys, he buys, uh, dependable cars that, that aren't the latest and greatest and newest. Um, most people don't understand that a car is a depreciating asset. It goes down in value. The longer you own it, it does not mm -hmm. get better in value. Very few that, uh, you know, there are very few cars that are going to, you know, become 
collector's items. Um, and more than likely, exactly. if you can buy it, it's not going to become a collector's item. Um, but but they, these are depreciating assets. They'll spend ten thousand dollars on some tire covers or spinners, as they call them. Um, we've got the glorification of the bling in the black community. You know, you balling that that was a term. Um, yeah. And those are all depreciating assets. So they're not pushing yes. buying a house, which is more of an appreciating asset, means it gets greater in value. And you mm -hmm. can borrow against that if, say, you wanted to start a, a business or whatever. So you've got people exactly. like, Leonard, like Leonard said, they're driving around in an $80,000 car and live in a $40,000 house. Or renting a, or renting a five hundred dollar shack, right? And so their their well, their money is upside down. Well, yeah. it's just like you know, Leon, you were hitting the nail on the head when you was talking about the car being a depreciating asset. If you're paying the note, you got to pay all the maintenance fees and repair fees, and pay the insurance. That car is not an asset. Assets put money in your pocket. The car takes it out. So it's a liability. Mm -hmm. And when I look at a car, I'm not looking for it to appreciate in value. I need for it to get me where I need to go around the city. Now, when I if I'm going on a 500, four or 500 mile trip, I'm going to go rent me a car and drive there. But, uh, you know, my my main car don't need to be worth 80, as you say, $80,000. Right. Any, right. Any car, any car that you have, unless you're using it as an investment, unless you can justify that um, you spent $80,000 and you're going to get at a minimum $80,000 out of it when you sell it, um, it's a depreciating asset. So so why spend $80,000 on something that's going to lose value? So like your home, right. I mean land is not going to necessarily lose value. It could. If you buy stock, if you buy stock, it, it, it's smarter to, um, instead of buying an $80,000 car, buy a $30,000 car and then and invest the other 50,000. That's a, that's a smart thing. Invest, that's a smarter make, thing. You know, half do. of it in investment and half of it in savings. Uh, depends on, you know, what your needs are. Uh, for me, I'd rather, Take two thousand dollars and buy me a car, and then take two or three more thousand, fix it up. My car's paid for; it's in the condition that I need it to be in. Like the last time I paid a, a car note was in two thousand ten or two thousand eleven, because at that point I was about to retire, and I said, I, "I don't want no more notes. I don't want no more car notes." And so, you know, I haven't paid a car note since two thousand ten. But you know, you know, you know when people get that smart after they've paid enough car notes. <laughs> yeah, as you get older, <laughs> as we pay a car note, don't then we go. You know what? I don't want no more car notes. But you can't tell these young folks <laughs> because you tell them, right. you know, don't spend your money on this car. And right. what's the first thing they're gonna tell you? It's my money. It's my money. It's my money. Or I'll, or buy, I'll buy what I want to buy. Listen to you, and they'll go behind your back and spend their money on that car. On that car. Because, like, I, what I'm trying to teach my children, I got two 14 year olds. I say, in about a couple years, I will help you get your first car. And we're going to get something that's, you know, reliable, dependable. And, you know, we got to put in a thousand or two on it to make it that way. We'll do that. And then, you know, you drive it, you get your first job. And that car, you know, you keep doing the regular maintenance. I learned that the hard way. Mm -hmm. oh, A yeah. lot of the maintenance, mm -hmm. you'll, it'll stay around. That car can get you 100,000, 150,000, 200,000 miles. Now, at that point, you go get another car if you can afford to pay for it. And what that means is teaching them that being afford, afford to pay for it, you can go, you can get it. 
You don't have to do a whole bunch of payments. And it doesn't drain your income to pay for it. Even after you pay for it, you still have income left. Uh, and, and you keep moving on until you can get up to a point where you can really afford. Now, if you want an $80,000 car, you could go pay cash for it. Why would you pay? Why mm -hmm. would you spend $80,000 on a car? Period. I'm just saying. If I had a million, I'm just saying, I'm if just I had saying, 10 million bucks, but I'm just saying, if we right. allow for doing crazy advertising, is the reason $80,000 cars exist. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, they make an $80,000 car. A $5,000 car is going to do the exact same thing an $80,000 car is. Yes, yes. Okay? It's going to get you but from think, A to B. But think about that. It's going to play the radio. Yeah. And the tires are going to it's it's going yeah. to do the exact same thing. But but they've convinced you that riding yeah. in luxury is a status symbol that you gain something from that. Mhm. Mm that that you're better off in the world because you own an eighty thousand dollar car instead of that El Cheapo five thousand dollar car. And you know what I want to do in that situation? I rather work it work a couple years, three years, save up the five thousand, go get me some new tires, go have any dents knocked out, have it painted. And that car could look as good as anything out there. I'm not having the dents now. But down. like you see, I'm I'm driving it with the dents. <laughs> well, like why why? Well, like you see, it's five thousand dollars, and and as as pretty as I'd like to be without the dents, I'm driving it with the dents. Well, Go ahead. Like I'm you sorry. See it, you learn these things. You learn these things. The older you get, as you get through, as you get through life, life teaches you lessons. Uh, I took our dad's philosophy. You got a car, you drive it to the wheels fall off, and if you could put the wheels back on, you drive it some more. Drive it some more. <laughs> yeah. So so, but we but but the images that we see on television, the images that we see on billboards, it's all it's all fluff and puff. You got to mm -hmm. spend. You got to spend more money to do this. You got to you got to go to a vacation in the most exotic place. And then when you get there, you got to spend all this money to be happy. And you know what you get out of it? Some pictures. Right. You get some pictures. Well, you, I can go to the local park and get pictures. Vacation, huh? You come back from a vacation, you come back from that vacation. And you're still not happy. And you're still you're not still in the same place you were. I'm not knocking vacations. I think it's great to go on a vacation. I think it's great Absolutely. to go to a place that you haven't been. Absolutely. But there's a way to go to some place uh, and not spend a whole bunch of money or go to some place and hit all the tourist attractions. And you're going to spend all that money at the tourist attractions. Uh, and the reason that they're called tour attractions is because they jack up the price. You got to go see this because they it's more expensive. They were designed to take your money from you. From you. They're designed to take your money. Right. They're designed to take your money. And business. now if you're going to go into debt for something, if you're going to go into debt, I say going, going into a debt for a business that is going to bring you some income back that you could pay the you could pay the debt off with and still make a good living for your for your family is the way to go. Like if you were going in, in, in debt to buy a subway franchise, you were going in debt to buy a McDonald's franchise. Those are franchises that have been known to work in ritzy areas just as well as in poor areas. The chances of you getting your money back are phenomenal. I'm I'm really now, glad you just brought that, that up. Can you afford to get? Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. I I want to I want to. The question uh, is: You made a point. I want to I want to add on to that point. So, but go ahead. I want you to finish. Okay. I, I I'm just saying that you know what you gotta what you gotta consider is 
do you have the wherewithal to get the financing, like three or four hundred grand to open the McDonald's or a hundred grand to open the subway, for example? So go go ahead. I'm interested to hear your point on this. So, so you you bring up a good point, but the statement that you made was, it's worth going into debt about a business. A business is a risk adventure. So when you invest in a business, when you put money into a business, it's a chance you're going to lose that money. And and the idea yes, that Leonard put forward is right. Um, that kind of money is going to bring you, has a chance, potential, to bring you greater rewards than buying an $80,000 car. But okay. what I think is the, is the problem is we see financing, uh, getting a loan from someone else, which was what I think caused part of the problem in the black community is that we mm -hmm. went to the traditional financial institutions and they were shysters. They preyed on yeah. one of the things that the black community is known for is being uh, a consumer industry uh, group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to Chase to get a loan, instead of going to someone else to get a loan, we should be investing in our own black businesses. We should be exactly. We should be spending. We spend money with the business, find businesses that need money, that serve black mm -hmm. serve. Um, your your community and invest in those businesses if you got an extra five or ten or a hundred or a thousand dollars you know we as um in business owners we should turn to our family and friends first and give them an opportunity there are other things to be considered in that insist uh, in situation that sometimes mm -hmm. it is not good to to uh, invest with family and friends. They have to understand right. that it's a business. Uh, that's and the risk. That's the risk. But but we should. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying uh, that unless you've got held confidence and faith in that family member and some sort of assurances that that they have a real good chance of success, it's probably a bad idea. I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because investing in a business is risky and no matter how good your yep. business plan is, no matter how good your efforts are, it's going to, let's just take an example. You want to open, there's a, there's a, property owned at the end of the block that used to be a store. It closed mm -hmm. because there's a local Walmart that's eating up. You know, people are driving out of your community to go to the Walmart that's five, 10 miles away in a more ritzier part or business structured area. And so they go to Walmart. So you want to open up a grocery store when you remember the old corner grocery stores? You used to walk to the end of the block yeah. and get your bread and cheese and eggs and all that kind of stuff. So you want to open up mm -hmm. one of those. So you go to your family, you say, Hey, I think this is a good idea. And it is a good idea because it brings those goods and services closer to those people. They don't have to drive. They don't have to put maintenance into their cars to go and get their groceries. Mm -hmm. But, people aren't going to support it because they've become uh, become accustomed to driving to uh, Walmart or wherever outside of their neighborhood to get their food. Then they look at your bread prices right. and your, your bread prices are 65, 65 cents higher than Walmart. What they see is the 65 cents. They don't factor in tires, gas, time on the freeway, insurance, 
to drive outside the neighborhood to get their bread than to be able to just walk to the end of the block and get their bread. Now, right. does that make your business more risky? It makes your business risky from the standpoint that people don't factor in all of the factors when they um, decide to uh, support a business. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, uh, so, so even though you are good at doing what you do, uh, unless we start to see value, understand, um, because your, your original idea was, um, that, you know, family members have to be, have to reach a higher bar for your, for your dollars or your investment dollars. And I, and I think if we look at what is the potential gain, so, so if I invest in my family member's business, my community benefits because there is somebody closer to my community with the same kind of interests and values that is going to be successful. The risk is going to be higher because of having to start from behind and starting with, you know, less assets and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, be higher. Well, you know, you have risk in general, like you t- just told Warren. Investing in the business is a risky venture, but how did Barry Gordy start Motown? He went to his family and he got the initial money from a family trust and a family account they had in the saving union and the credit union. And he started, that's how he started Motown Records. And he sold it in the mid to late 70s for like 60, if I remember the figure correctly, like $68 million. Mm -hmm. And that's about 13, about 15, 17 years after he started. And it was his friend Smokey Robinson who told him, you know, get your own business, start your own business. And that's, and that's where he went to. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know that Barry Gordy wrote the time, the song by Jackie Wilson, which is one of his signatures, Lonely Teardrop. Barry Gordy wrote that. <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so, so yeah, we have those success stories where that happens mm-hmm. and you have stories where, you know, the opposite happens, but you know, by itself, investing is a, in a business is a risky proposition mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta you know you can have a great idea and everything can work right and you can know well what you're doing but the people who's going to be your target audience so in your example that corner grocery store in that neighborhood they have to be willing to come there now and spend their money with you mm-hmm. and, and 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 i think part of the problem is, is that we don't have a positive image of black owned businesses. Right. That is true. We don't have a positive idea that black owned businesses are professional and they give you the best deal and they give you good service. We just don't have that image. Right. So, so we have to do work on building, um, image, building up capital, building up, you know, a business capital, uh, and then, you know, providing those goods and services and, and trusting each other far too many times. Um, I, I think we are quick to get angry at other black business owners mm-hmm. because of a perceived slight. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we would we would put up with something from a um, a non-black business owner that we won't accept from a black business owner. Mm-hmm. We we hold black business owners to a higher standard than than we hold uh, other business owners, and so I think there's important needs to 
understand that uh, that we are starting from uh, way back in the race. Okay. And that the bread you buy is going to be 65 cents more expensive because that black business owner has higher expenses. And right. when you spend that 65 cents, when you spend that additional 65 cents, eventually it's going to come back to you because as that person grows and offers, you know, um, maybe they move their business to another location, a bigger location, and then they were able to drop the prices because they are able to finance a new building. They're able to, right. to buy more uh, products in bulk, which means that they can drop the price better. But we've got a lot mm -hmm. of things I think to overcome, you know, in our perceptions of blacks in business. Right. Right. So I, I'm a, I'm a small business consultant and I, and I, I'm not having the show because I'm a small business consultant. But what a, a business consultant does, a business consultant or should do is look at your business and find the best ways for you to maximize your resources. They're there to be objective. As a business owner, we are so invested in our business that we're emotionally attached and we make emotional decisions. Mm -hmm. A business consultant is mm -hmm. there to help you not look at the emotional and make business practical decisions. It does, Correct. it does not hurt to pay a business consultant to come in and look at your business. A lot, a lot of people think they see, I'm not going to pay that fee because they don't see the immediate impact of that service. And the idea is, is that if I give you an idea, let's say, let's say ice, let's say for um, um, a session, I charge you $60. So let's charge you $60. We sit down and talk for an hour. I charge you 60 bucks. In that hour, okay. I give you one idea that saves you $3 a week. It saves you $3 a week. Over the course of the year, you now have gotten back $36 of that $50 or that $60, more than half of it. The second year you've gotten that plus you're in the, you're in the, in the green now. Wait, you said $3 a week, not a month, right? Right. Uh, $3 a week. Didn't I say a week? So that's a hundred. Yeah. yeah you said a week. So that's 150 Oh, so you more than made up the. I was thinking. I said week. I, I was thinking month. So that's all my math. Right. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you're going to need a month. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's off. But that's, but that's what a, I did. That's what a, 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 you know, that's what you want from a, a, a good service. And sometimes you're going to get ideas that, are, that you want to follow. Sometimes you're not going to get ideas you want to follow because every idea has to mm -hmm. be fitted to you as the individual. Right. But we have to trust each other. You have to build up trust. And that's where I think we're lacking as far as a community around business. Mm. Yeah, right. It's worth the money to get good advice in certain situations. It definitely pays off. Oh, you, you, you know that. I know you know that for sure. Because it, yeah. you know, you're, you're one of those people that does that legwork. You know, you, you look up a yeah. product, you want to buy the product and you look up and you do research and, you know, um, some research you're going to be able to do for yourself. And then sometimes 
um, hands-on experience is going to trump book knowledge or that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I, I have a, a question I got in the back of my mind for you, but we'll have to discuss it off camera. It's something that I meant to bring up a couple of days ago. So I'm glad uh <laughs> kick it back up in my mind. Okay. You you, you make sure you want to write it, you write write it, it down, down so you don't forget you know? it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta write it down. Write it down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me write this down. It's up to you. I mean, hopefully it'll come back to you. But I just I just want people to um is that is that we are consumers. I'm a consumer, but I'm also a business person. You know, I this is a to me is a while it is a business, um, you know, we're we're having a good time doing it. We're we're I think we're our goal here, my goal is to provide people with good information to make better decisions. And so mm -hmm. when we are in our meetings and we're talking about, you know, what information we're going to bring up and what are we going to cover? One of the first things I ask you guys is, you know, how does that impact? How does a person use that? You know, how is that important to our mm -hmm. listener? Because, mm -hmm. because that's the goal. If we're just, if we're just throwing out random information, you know, I don't think we're any different than a lot of, you know, things that are, you know, we're not, in, we're not here to provide comedy. If comedy was our goal, then it'd be all about making jokes. And I, I don't, we don't, we don't have to be too straight. We can make some jokes, but the whole idea is yeah. to provide information, good information. Especially when you're in your Dave Chappelle mode. <laughs> If I was as good as Dave Chappelle, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. <laughs> this is true. This is if, I, if I was as good as Dave Chappelle, I don't think I'd be doing this podcast. As much as I love it. <laughs> as much as I love it. But Well, it's just it's it's just with everything else. You some people just it they just go off the cuff. Some people got to do as much research as they can, and then they try it. So you you have all kinds. Mm -hmm. You have all kinds, mm -hmm. and and you make it work. Like you know, I'm 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 looking at getting into some things in a couple months. I had talked to Warren before. I talked to you about it, and so when I got my idea and I got it written on paper, I submit it to you and make a use of your business consultant talent. Well, I mean, you and know, you that's, give me, that's up to you. You would give me a sober, a, a sober reading of of what it is, because yeah, it'll be something I want to do. But I know that you'll look at it and say, "Hey, have you considered this, or have you considered that?" And that's and that's hmm. that's what that's what we sh we all are trying to do with each other. Exactly. The the. Our community does not take advantage of age. Mm -hmm. Each of us have years of experience doing something. And when we talk to our younger uh, community members, their thought is, it's not like that anymore. Right. <laughs> is that what they're thinking? Right. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. So, uh, old man, uh, you don't know how to help because cause I um, watched a video about how to be successful. And so I've got it all down pat. And hmm, we've all been through situations where we've saw these videos out there, we've tried it and we realize not everything is as easy as they make it out to be. Not everything in those videos is legit. Not everything is truthful. 
A lot of times they stretch things. A lot of times they um, give you wish for thinking rather than actual occurrences of information. And, and I think about that when you were saying that, like, my wife is a licensed barber. She went to barber college. She went through all the things. She got a license. And at one time, she worked in the shop where most of the guys that did haircuts, they looked at YouTube videos and learned how to style it and when they did haircuts. Mm-hmm. And my wife, you know, she was doing it, and she, and she was licensed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she, and she used to tell me stories about, you know, the, about some of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those people were actually very good, very talented, mm-hmm. and would have benefited from formal training, formal education. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, you know, and I heard her talking to one of her friends the other day, just about when she was in barber college, mm-hmm. like the guy that was number two in her class. He decided that being a full-time barber one for him, so he went to nursing school, and he's become a nurse now. Mm-hmm. And you know, for everybody, everybody, everybody's got things. So you have to look at. I, I think you mentioned earlier, Leon. This is just about personalizing things to fit that person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not necessarily just going with the uh, going with the gen with the in general thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like. So uh, just an example. Uh, IBM changed their environment, went with the black ties, white shirts. Um, That doesn't work in every environment. Right. If your company is not uh, shirts and ties, then putting everybody in a certain time doesn't fit the culture of your environment. Then you change the culture. And if the people that you have aren't able to execute the vision that you have for your company, you've created more of a problem than a solution by, you know, implementing certain things. And if you don't, explore the idea and talk to someone that maybe understands that you may go in and say, I like the idea of shirt and ties. So I'm going to implement a shirt and tie, um, requirement environment environment. Requirement, yeah. Right. When maybe you should just implement shirt and ties for the people that are, are customer facing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but if you, without talking, without, you know, bouncing that idea off of someone else, you know, I don't know, it may work for you and it may not. Yeah. Yeah. So did IBM change? When did they make this change? Cause that, oh, this was. This what was, was it? that example was so long ago? That's not that so long ago. Yeah, IBM has been blue suit, black suit, white shirt, and tie since I can remember. That was right, like back in the eighties. Uh, someone went to college with me. He had an interview with IBM, and he was like working and saving up money. They didn't start so that way. Time, like they didn't start that three way. or four blue suits. They didn't. Start yeah. That way. Right. But he, you know, he was just saying they didn't. Start you don't that work. I, that's all I can say. They didn't start that way. They didn't start with certain time way. Uh, right. So they started off more like Google, and they went the other way. They, they. <laughs> well, you know, as your business grows, as your business grows, and as you understand image, and you understand um, how your company looks to other people, then then you start yeah. to to make changes. Think about when think about when IBM made those changes back in the late seventies, middle of the late seventies, what our environment was like then compared to here come Google in the early two thousands, what it's like now. Now now they were flip flops and ride a bike. Huh? Yeah, they 
Google, they wear flip-flops and ride a bike. And they've got yeah. mats that sit on the floor. They don't have cubicles and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and so, you know, think about the change in that in that 25 to 30 year time period. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, but how even that, that how doesn't that work for everybody. Goes. And that what? Even that, that whole Google um, free spirit stuff doesn't work for every company. Right. That's true. True. Right. I'm thinking maybe the top guys in Google might end up going with orange jumpsuits or something pretty soon. <laughs> 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 I think See, that's wishful say, thinking. I think you want to put them in orange jumpsuits because they done pissed you off. Yeah, probably just uh, yeah. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away from that. Leon was right about you. No, you I'm, not gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with him. They pissed me off. They put here's the thing about that Google about that pisses me off the most. So in the Android in the Android world. Uh, Google made it so that Google products like Google Drive and Google Chrome mm -hmm. and Google Keep and those those kind of apps were installed on your phone before you got it, and you couldn't mm -hmm. uninstall them. Right. right. And then they started this app saying, you've got five apps take t totaling 200 meg that are taking up space. Right. That you didn't even put on there. That you that you, you didn't even put, put on there. On you there. can't take off to reclaim that space. Right. I, so I'm saying, if you let me get rid of this Google shit, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this space problem. But then they fixed that. How did they fix so that? So now... So now they got you got an option to go and spend four or five or more hundred bucks. You can get a phone with 256 oh, gig, you know, and uh, uh, good. You could put 500 apps on that bad boy. Uh, I, <laughs> it's I'm, always, but it's always about years, getting you run out of updates and it won't be, you know, good eventually anyway. So, but, but notice how it's always about digging. Somebody's hand digging in your pocket and getting your money. It's always what Well, that's business. So that's that's the that's that's business. That's America and the goal of business in America. Monkey business, but business nonetheless. So Warren Warren has got Warren has got the Google executives in, in orange jumpsuits. Well, okay, so let's go over to Windows now. I just got this um oh. Oh, we ran out of time. Windows, tab <laughs> Windows tablet, uh -huh. and I've been playing my game, just a Google game, Google app, and I'm just and I said, well, let me just at least play, but play the um the game on a new tablet, and I realized this thing doesn't even like Google apps. I can't even use it like I'm using a regular tablet because it's Windows. Why don't oh, they yeah. make you, all not, the, the Chrome app or the the um, Play Store apps require Android mm -hmm. and not and not Windows <laughs> and not Windows? <laughs> so they got something, something, some kind of stacks or something, but it's it's right. It's they've, not got a, they've got a they've got a add some additional software to run the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go from one to the other, and they're just both kind of trying to control everything. Right? You know? yeah. They they don't want to play. They don't want to play. They don't want to open up the field and compete against the other guy. They want to close the right. field so that you're forced to use them. Monopoly. They're, they're right. It's <laughs> it's not uh, it's not a. I'm going to create the best app. And then I'm going to put it out there and give you a chance to de determine if you want to play, because mm -hmm. uh, I don't want Google shit installed on my uh, phone when I first get it. But if if you do install it, give me a chance to um, take it off. Because if I want to use Firefox instead of Chrome, and I want to take Chrome completely off my laptop or my my phone, then let me get rid of Chrome. And use that space to put Firefox yeah. in there. Yeah. 
But that's not how I they mean, do it. Have you ever one of these cheap androids that they, the the um, retail places, the actual um, cellular providers? You get a small phone, cheap phone with mm -hmm. hardly any space, mm -hmm. and it's got so many junk apps on it. I'm like, why do they put this crap on this phone? And you can't get rid and of. You know them. what? It's these apps that that get people addicted, probably so they can hit them with ads, then they end up with spam and malware and everything yeah. and viruses. This is crazy. Well, just like on my latest phone. We're going to make literature last comment. We're, okay. we're okay. over six. Then my wife bought me when I was in the nursing home. It got a game launcher on it. So when I do this game launcher and I'm trying to play a game, like this game I done got addicted to is hard. After every hand, I get some kind of ad for another app another that like, that I is another um episode another show another show um <laughs> so because i you know it, we'll have a chance to talk about that and what we just talked about uh say goodbye cool. all goodbye. right <laughs> see you later next time oh wow that concludes this episode of altitude adjustment and thank you for listening this podcast is streamed live on YouTube and TV and is designed for Visit the website, the lionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not.